guys. Welcome back to the Allergic to Grace podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. We're so glad you joined in to listen today. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about numbers, chapters 9 and... No. Chapters 9 through 11. But to pick up where we left off last week, let's quickly recap what we saw in chapters 7 and 8. So last week, we saw each tribe bringing their offering to the tabernacle. Each offering by each tribe was the exact same. We talked about the cleansing of the Levites outside of the priests, and we also discussed the retirements of the Levites um, and what their duties and what they were able to do and not able to do looked like after that, as in after their retirement. Yes. (laughs) They could retire at 50. Wouldn't that be so nice? I'm pretty sure the average age of retirement in America now is 60. How sad is that? Well, I'm halfway there. How sad is that? When did you start? When did you get into the workforce? After graduation from high school or prior like, to that? Whenever I first had my job where I first had a 401k. Yeah. Like your big girl job. 2013. Which, how old were you? Oh, how old was I? Uh, 22. Okay, 22 so you started at 22. You're going to retire mm-hmm. at 60. Mm-hmm. You've worked your life away. <laughs> Literally. 40 plus hours a week. And then, you know, average age in America is what? Like 80? So... Uh, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. If you are lucky. And you have live in a good area that, you know, isn't the South. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's fair to say. Uh, well. I mean, I feel like if you were like, think about that too. Like that's the average age now of people who were not raised on such processed foods and such additives and oh yeah, all of that kind of thing. So we're going down, down. Mm-hmm. And sugar will going down, so probably shouldn't sing that because we don't have any license for it. Mm, I Does guess. that matter? I don't know. We've been doing it for a year now. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't own the rights to that song. Well, we didn't play the song. It's fine. It's fine. It's Chapter fine. 9. Chapter 9 <laughs> is talking about the Passover, the second Passover after the original Passover, which was the Exodus, basically. Yeah. If you remember... Way back in Exodus, there was a bunch of stuff that they had to do prior to the Passover, which the Passover, all of the, I don't want to say ritual, but all the rituals that they had to do, the steps that Mm -hmm. they had to take, um, prevented them from their firstborn dying after the literal angel of death came through and killed all the firstborn. Yep, it did. So that's why it's called the Passover. They saw the blood on the door. The angel of death passed over them and went on to somebody else who didn't have that stuff. So, correct. This is now the second Passover because it's been a year after the Exodus, and we're coming up on the second Passover. So it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the 14th day of this month at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its statutes and all its rules, you shall keep it. Which basically means Mm -hmm. you're keeping the Passover. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this back in Exodus very extensively. Yeah, very extensively because we Um, looked into all kinds of stuff. Yep. So we had a lamb, right? That was supposed to be, what, a year old or something like that? Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be one lamb per household or if you couldn't, if one lamb was too much, you'd share share it. With somebody else who would have been too much You were supposed to sacrifice the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost of the home, Mm -hmm. um, and then you were supposed to eat it, the lamb, like with fast and then leave nothing over night at yeah. all. And then you were supposed to also eat unloving bread and the bitters, remember? Mm-hmm. With the bitter herbs. With the bitter herbs and stuff. And that yeah. was the quote unquote ritual of the Passover. Yes. So they're supposed to do that still, all the same things with the blood, the lamb, the bitter herbs and 
the unleavened bread mm-hmm. um, on the day of day of atonement. No, on the day in which the Passover is to be celebrated. Yes. <laughs> um. So this places the events between chapter and seven eight <laughs> words. Okay. The fourteenth day is when the Passover was supposed to happen. The fourteenth day of the first month of the second year. Right. Yes. Um, which places the second Passover between the events of chapter seven and eight mm-hmm. and the census in chapters one and two. Correct. So think about what's just happened, right? We just had the ordination of the priest, all the tabernacles are all the mm-hmm. tabernacles, all the, the tabernacle and all of its things yeah, it's, is it's in up place. And it's consecrated. Whatever. It's up and running. The, the tribes have brought in all of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, also the Nadab and Abihu have died. The blasphemer has died mm-hmm. in Leviticus. If mm-hmm. you, Remember back. So all the people of Israel kept the Passover, but there were some that couldn't keep the Passover because they were in an unclean state. All right. Let's read. Right. Let's read because Victoria yes. can't talk. Um, Bring it six. Yes. And there were certain men who were unclean through the touching of a dead body. So they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And those men said to him, we are unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time? Need to turn a page among the people of Israel. And Moses said to them, wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Okay. So we have these people who were unclean because they touched a dead body. Mm-hmm. How much you want to bet it was the people who buried Nadab and Abigail? Oh, I bet you any money it was. They were like, why don't we get to observe the Passover? Because we yeah. are unclean because of these people mm-hmm. who were smote by God because they Yep. did stupid things and they won the stupid prize right well i think they're probably afraid of what will happen if they don't right keep it right so like i mean they did a good thing in going to moses and saying hey we don't really know what to do in this situation and moses did a good thing in saying hey let me talk to god about it because yeah. i don't know um i think i.e showing you know that their hearts were in the right place oh yeah instead of just like winging it instead of observing the passover Ooh. in an unclean state and or not observing the Passover, because if you remember back in Exodus, the consequences for not observing the Passover was to be cut off from your people mm-hmm. or have an untimely death. So, yeah. Ooh. Anyway, let's read what God said. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, if any one of you or your descendants is unclean through a touching of a dead body or is on a long journey, he shall keep the Passover to the Lord in the second month on the 14th day at twilight. They shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break any of its bones. According to the statute for the Passover, they shall keep it. But if anyone who is clean and not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering and is a at his appointed time that a man shall bear his sin if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the passover to the lord according to the statutes of the passover and according to its rule so shall he do you shall have one statute both for the sojourner and for the native so yet again here we have god making concessions Mm -hmm. for man all the time yeah and i think it's important to note here too is is that the People who were affected by this, you know, in this specific situation were likely unclean by no fault of their own. No. You know what I mean? Like if somebody, even like in future situations, like if somebody dies, like somebody's going to have to do something with the body. So, of course, among millions of people, you're going to run into that situation again. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he made a concession in saying, yes, you can observe the Passover literally one month after mm-hmm. you're supposed to. Yeah. So that everybody can participate, which, you know, look at God. Right. Always uh, catering to our humanity. He always is. And like, I also like how they put in or is on a long journey. Like if you're not home or if you're not like able to do the ritualistic yeah. Passover things, like you have a chance to come Partici- back yeah. and participate. participate. Because even what they said in the verse, like if you don't, you're cut off from your from people. people. So yeah. like they want to to observe the Passover. Yeah. Um, the, about the stranger who sojourns among them, they were supposed to be first circumcised before they were able to participate. I remember participate. talking about that. I remember. Um, Books ago. Yeah. So if there was a stranger among them, they were supposed to be first brought into the covenant promise of circumcision, and then they were able to participate with the Passover. So it was both for the Israelite and for the sojourner that if they were unclean or if they were on a long journey, it had the same rule. It didn't really Jew yeah. and Gentile, I guess you should One say. statute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important, too, to talk about, I mean, I know we briefly spoke about it like in previous episodes, but to like the whole point of the Passover was to make the Israelites remember why they're even where they are yep. to remember the mighty works of their God and that he's the one who brought them out. He's the one that had them cross the Red Sea. He's the one who mm-hmm. wiped out Pharaoh's army and brought them to where they are now. Yeah. Um, enduring words that the punishment for not keeping the Passover was severe that a man shall bear his sin instead of having their sin borne by the Passover lamb. You know, you can kind of see that in the reflection of the um, communion. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why that was so hard for me to remember. Like, mm. <laughs> it says, yeah. in the same way, we must partake of Jesus or bear our own sin. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats of my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Similar situation. Yeah. If you want to reference it to New Testament. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't have anything else about that. Nope. 15 through... 18. Okay, I just want to say this whole section, when I was first reading it, I was like, why did he say it like that? There's 15 through 23, mm-hmm. right? However many verses that is, could be summed up in like two. Yeah. <laughs> like two why, sentences. Why did he say it like that? I want to read it so everybody understands what kind of mm-hmm. craziness I'm talking about here. Now, I'm going to struggle, but bear with We're me. We're doing it. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. And at evening, it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent after the people of Israel set out. No. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent after that, the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down there, the people of Israel camped at the command of the Lord. The people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. And then, according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, 
they set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Mm-hmm. Why did he say it like that? <laughs> I, do you have an answer? I don't. I, I don't. There's, it's, I, it's very complicated. Is it? I mean, like, you can so much. There's there's a lot of like, this is where I wish I could read, like read in a new Hebrew, Mm -hmm. because it has a lot to do with the translation that the tenses of the verbs and the way things are set up. Because if you notice, because I started reading it and like my brain, I started, I started, I read the chapter, right? And then I went to the commentary, like I read that section and went to the commentary to see, you know, what the breakdown was. And they were just talking over and over and over and over again, uh, the commentary again to cite sources, numbers by Timothy R. Ashley about how you know the way it's set up because if you notice the first time it's what do they do first they at the command of the lord so first they set out then they camp mm-hmm. and then when he says it again they camp and then they set out they literally said then, every every possible scenario yes and it's rotated and i forget why exactly because it was so much that honestly my brain was just like complete and total mush and i was like all right basically i drew this nice little diagram here for you okay oh wow that is was there a cloud yes uh okay cloud yes stay okay (laughs) was there a cloud no okay go Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's what it was um one thing i thought was really interesting um i guess i didn't even really think about this is that they mentioned um yeah, in verse 18, I'm referencing. Why am I referencing verse 18? Oh, at the command of the Lord, you know, that basically this was another reason why uh, the Levites had to do guard duty because somebody had to be able to say when the cloud left and when the cloud did not, you know what I mean, when it was there and when it was not there. So Yeah, which I, I mean, we'll, really get, we'll get there with the whole trumpets in a second. But yeah. Um, basically, yes. The reason it's repeated over and over and again is because this is, then this is from the book I had this written down, (laughs) Mm -hmm. was because it was the formula for obedience. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And which is, you know, in this case, at the, at the command of God, they departed and at the command of God, they camped. So the first half of that is the obedience formula Mm -hmm. at the command of God. Because think about how many times we hear you know, throughout the entire Bible, a command by God. Yeah. And what's especially uh, in these beginning ones. Yeah. yeah. So you that's just yeah. It's the know. obedience of the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The length of time didn't matter. No, it didn't matter. And I think, too, it kind of reiterates the there was no routine. There was yeah. no like it wasn't we're staying for a month. Then no, we're going. No. And he could do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. It made sure that the people were a thousand percent reliant on him. Exactly. And had their eyes on him the entire time. Yeah. Exact and complete obedience. Mm hmm. So, and During Bird has a quote from one of their commentators. It says, we need to hold the present with a slack hand so as to be ready to fold our tents and take to the road, if God will. We must not reckon or continuance nor strike our roots so deep that it needs a hurricane to move us. Mm-hmm. But that's sinking. Right? Right? Because oftentimes you ask God to move through your life, and sometimes that means literally breaking you down to your bones and picking you up and moving you Mm -hmm. to a different situation yep but like same situation here 
they couldn't just settle and be like, nope, this is where we're staying. Yeah. They had to continuously rely on him. But yeah, that was basically it. I mean, like the cloud moves, the Israelites move. The cloud stays, the Israelites stay. Correct. Like that's the gist of that. <laughs> I'm sure it has a lot of other underlying meanings and theological, you know. But at the same time, like awesomeness. But I mean, God is also catering to our humanity and keeping it pretty simple. A thousand for percent. Us, I think. But too, but like, doesn't mean that it's easy for us. No, no, no. But like, um, I I like how they mentioned it was a cloud by day and the fire by night so if you think about that a cloud in the desert would provide a lot of shade mm-hmm. and fire by night would provide heat and you know yeah. light anyway i don't even know where i was going chapter 10 yeah sometimes i start a sentence and i don't know where it's going but <laughs> i just keep on talking until i find my way there <laughs> <laughs> okay that's not licensed either. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't think we have to say that. All right. The silver trumpets. Basically, in chapter 10 up until verse 11. Should we read this? I mean, I don't think we need to. I mean, it has some good things. Sure. Then. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so chapter 10, the silver trumpets. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, make two silver trumpets of hammered work. You shall make them and you shall bring them for summoning the congregation and for breaking camp. And when both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the entrance of the tent of meeting. But if they are blown, no. But if they blow only one, then the chiefs, the heads of the tribes of Israel shall gather themselves to you. When you blow an alarm, the camps that are on the east side shall set out. And when you blow an alarm the second time, the camps that are on the south side shall set out. An alarm is to be blown whenever they are to set out. But when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow a long blast, but you shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets. The trumpet shall be to you for a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And when you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that you may be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies." On the day of your gladness also, and at your appointed feasts, and at the beginnings of your months, you shall blow trumpets over your burnt offerings, and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I am the Lord your God. Yep. <laughs> yep. So we have two trumpets. We do. They are to alert the people, to gather the people, mm-hmm. for God to remember the people. Mm-hmm. They're used in celebration. They're used in other things. Yes. (laughs) So these are actually different from the ram's horn or the shofar that we talked about um, in Leviticus to announce the Day of Atonement. Um, These trumpets are actually inscribed on the Arch of Titus. That remember that arch that we talked about where we could see the lampstand, yeah, and everything being plundered. Yep. And- so these are actually in- inscribed there on the Arch of Titus in Rome. Um, they were straight pipes, a little less than eighteen inches, with a long flared opening at the end. So literally, you couldn't like there was no holes or there was no like other pins to make the sounds different. It was just from the person who was blowing the trumpet that could make the difference. Mm-hmm. I literally have written uh, eighteen to twenty inches long to be like to be. T-U-B-E-Y. Tube. Yeah, they're Tube-y. like tubey like because there's no like valves. There's yeah. no, it's just like a long straight horn yeah. is what it looks like. Yeah. 
but not too long. I don't mean like long schlong. I mean like, you know. Yeah. 18 inches, about two feet. Mm -hmm. So the alarm, I don't know. Did you have anything on else on what it looked like? No, not on what it looked like. I have some on like what they were used for. I was just going to say the difference between the notes. Yeah, go ahead. The alarm was just like short notes, whereas like when he's saying blow, it's like a longer note. So like, yeah, you would be able to hear a difference between the two. Yeah. And like literally they were used and when when the camp was supposed to move, like they were used as like, you know how in church when we're doing communion, like the ushers come and they like Mm -hmm. let you out row by row. That's exactly what was happening. Yeah. So on the east side, that was the first part of the caravan. Like that was the tribe of Judah and like everybody else we followed Mm -hmm. behind him. Like so when that was sounded, they set out. Yeah. And then when another one was sounded, it kind of just follows that that caravan that we talked yeah. about earlier in numbers so it let them know when your group was ready just to, to go leave. <laughs> yeah and just start getting ready yeah basically um and then i like the part about the warfare oh i love that it was good it was really good something somewhere said it was probably enduring word let's be real um so <laughs> <laughs> before we obey god we must first give him our attention so the the trumpets were also a sign of Israel's obedient in God's moving and like him setting the camp out and like in their obedience of following the caravan order and doing everything that they were prepared to do Mm -hmm. in the first half of numbers. I also read too, uh, I can't remember if it was in the like the study notes from our Bible or if it was in that commentary book, um, but that a large part that this was instituted also, and he even says it, you know, in verse eight, the latter half, the trumpet shall be to you for a perpetual statute throughout your generations. Yeah. Because once they get into the promised land and they're not, you know, moving around, they, they'll use that to like assemble, mm-hmm. you know, to assemble, to like the there you're supposed to blow it over like the burnt offerings and like all of that stuff too so it was really just kind of like a god is with us sound mm-hmm. for lack of a better term i guess yeah. you know there was blind people in israel so they probably didn't see the cloud or the the pillar of fire oh, I'm sure or not. like that so yeah. like it's kind of for them too yeah there's a visual like yeah an because audible. the visual for the people mm-hmm. who cannot hear and then an audible the for the people who, who can't see, see. I just thought about that. And then if you have both your senses, well, then you're just lucky. Yes. Blessed, might I dare say. Or if you are deaf and blind, you can, I don't know, feel. Let's be real. They were probably put at the back. The unclean people. (laughs) I'm not saying that I would do that. I think so. I don't know. I just made that up. You just couldn't be a priest. Remember (laughs) the limb too long? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, so next we have the Israelites actually leaving Sinai. So we have in the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month. Did you notice something about that? How we were just now all of a sudden we're on the 20th day of the month? No. So on the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, that's literally, what, six days after he allowed the unclean people to observe the Passover? Passover. So that everybody could have have observed the Passover for the first time after they've left Egypt Egypt. before they moved. Isn't your God amazing? Right? Did you have your sweater on backwards? I did. (laughs) I said, fix it. The tag was stabbing my neck. So the cloud lifted from over the tent, from over the tabernacle of the testimony, and the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai and the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. Okay, so they set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. 
Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So they set out in their standards. Remember the standard of Judah and then Nashon? No. In the order that we talked about a few episodes ago. Yeah. Judah by the companies and over their company was Nashon. Okay. Yeah. And over the company of the tribe of Ishagar. It just names all the all the heads again. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have Judah, Ishagar, and Zebulun setting out first, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have the sons of Gershon and Merari Mm -hmm. set out between them. Why? Go ahead. I okay, so we'll get there. Um, they were the ones who were carrying the tabernacle and all of that stuff. Remember, so they, they Gershon That's had why. the woven things, and Merari had like the literal bones. So then Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, um, Simon and Gad set out next, and then after that, the tribe of Coloth or whatever, the Levites who were carrying the holy things of the tabernacle set out. So in reality, the holy things were the ones that were in the center, mm-hmm. not the actual woven things and like Correct. all that stuff. It was the holy things that were in the center. In the literal middle. In the middle. And the Gershonites and the Mararis set out before the Kaleth whatevers so that when they got there, the tent of meeting could already be set up yep. and they don't have to unnecessarily around carrying all of that stuff and could just mm-hmm. go ahead and go into the tent and be set up by the priests. Correct. So, and then, then we have the rest of the marching order of all the rest of the tribes of Israel, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And then in verse 29, do we have anything about that? Verse 29? No, before I get into verse 29. I just read some things I thought were interesting about, and maybe we'll, you're going to get to it later, but about the wilderness of Paran, how they don't really know if Paran was a specific place or if Paran was just translated to mean like the wilderness surrounding Sinai, which is like, doesn't sound very big, but it's extremely vast and large. So that was interesting. Yeah, no, I didn't have anything about Paran. Oh. I should have looked up stuff. But, anyways, <laughs> but that was it. That was basically it. Interesting. Like they're not. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't know. Anyway. So and Moses in verse 29, it says, and Moses said to Habab, mm-hmm. the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses's father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord has said, I will give to you. Come with us and we will do good for you. For the Lord has promised good to Israel. But he said to him, I will not go. I will depart to my own land and to my own kindred. And he said, please do not leave us, for you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as eyes for us. And if you do go with us, whatever the whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same he will do to you. So they set out from the mount of the Lord three days journey, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them three days journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day and whenever they set out from the camp. Okay. And whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and those who hate you flee before you. And when it was rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. And that's the end of chapter 10. That's the end of 10. So Moses asks basically his brother-in-law. That's what I gathered from it. Yeah, I saw somewhere, I think it was my study Bible, it said Ruel was the same as the... Jeff, Japheth? No, not Japheth. Uh, Jethro. That's no, that Jethro? wasn't. Japheth was Noah's son. Jethro. 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 Yeah, Jepro, Jethro, whichever um, it was. Yeah. And so if it's the son of him. Yeah. Us, so it would be his brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And like, enduring word <laughs> said about the brother-in-law mm-hmm. says Moses was wise enough leader to know his limitations and to know that he needed help. Mm-hmm. Moses knew God's help often comes through men like his brother-in-law. Israel was guided by God. There was still need. There was still help needed by man. God plans it this way, often arranging His help to come, and least in part through people He has ordained to help us. They didn't need His brother-in-law to tell them where to go. God did that. 
What they needed was his knowledge and experience in finding water, potential food, fuel, and other things in the places where the Lord directed them to march and camp. Mm-hmm. So like God provided a place and they needed his experience of the wilderness of mm-hmm. Sinai to find the necessities, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's exactly what my commentary said as well. Like the Lord will provide, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it says, please do not leave. This is from Enduring Word. Since Moses knew God could use... I'm not saying his name right. Hobab. 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 In a significant uh, ho- way. Hobab sounds Hobab. a lot better than Hobab. Hobab. Which is how I was reading it. So In a significant Hobab. way. He was willing to appeal to him and not take an initial no as an answer. The first appeal to him was selfishness. We will treat you well. And the second appeal, the successful one, was to his charity and helpfulness. You can be our eyes. And Daring Word says, and I want to think about this, we are very prone to make our appeal to selfishness granted on a high level, but still to selfishness. We would, would not the appeal that calls to service and sacrifice to the heroic be far more forceful? One thing is certain, and that is this was the supreme note in Christ's call to men living in the days of his flesh. They called, he called them to service rather than yeah. their selfishness because mm-hmm. it says, sell of your possessions and follow me. Yeah. Not, I will treat you well along the journey. Mm-hmm. You will get, you know, much food and riches from following me. No, he didn't say that. Yep. It's just a p- thought to ponder. It is. I just feel like in, in nowadays, when you ask somebody for help, it's more so of what would they get out of it yeah, that we, would appeal to them. Right. And it's kind of like what we talked about even in our very first episode about, you know, back to being about allergic to grace because we've been so conditioned to our selfishness and the selfishness of others. Why would anything that's so great not come at a cost? Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. I just thought it was yeah interesting. It is. That he first appealed to selfishness and it was not the selfishness that he agreed to. It was the service of the people to do it yeah so it just speaks to his character i was just gonna say that the character of moses brother-in-law yeah anyway mm-hmm. why do you think do you think moses purposefully appealed to his selfishness first or do you think he did it because even at this point it was all just second nature and it just happened there because we think go. about when you're like hey can you come help me with this i'll cook you dinner yeah you know what i mean yeah but see in answering that question we're trying to answer the intentions behind oh, moses. yeah okay <laughs> Chapter 11. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not. It's just pondering. Because maybe maybe he didn't mean it to be selfish. Yeah. He probably thought, okay, you're going to go back to your kindred, but, you know, we'll treat you well. We'll treat you just as good. Yeah. It was probably just like a a flip of a coin. Yeah. Kind of. Okay, you said no because you want to go back home, but we can treat you just as well. Yeah. Instead of saying, okay, well, you can go back home, but you could help us. This is... The very definition of overthinking. Yeah. (laughs) Everything. Doesn't matter. (laughs) So the average distance was about 15 miles per day for this giant group of people. I was going to say, at first you're like, oh, that doesn't sound like a lot. No, that's a lot. Uh, Yes. That's a lot. It takes me like an hour and a half to walk four miles. So. Yeah. It's a lot. (laughs) And that's without stuff. So. Seriously. Because think about even if you can move faster, you stand you still can't go any faster than the people in front of you. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Do you think there were breaks? No. There's a continual line of people. And I think we're going to get to that in, in in this. I guess. I guess. I, yeah, they got a break after that at the end of the day. Did they continuously move? I think so. They didn't camp at all, like stop to well, rest? Well, pro- I'm sure they stopped at nighttime, like overnight. But they didn't like, I bet you they didn't. 
You think so? Mm. I don't know because it doesn't know. say they ever stopped. And no, I feel like if they, I feel time, like if they stopped, it would have said they stopped. It would say they stopped. They stopped so no, where God I don't stopped. think they did. Three days marching. Three days. That's no. insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they took Just, shifts. Maybe. What do you mean took shifts? You don't like, think you still would have to carts? walk the same distance? Oh, I'm sure. Like individual units and clans, probably it was broken down into who did what. Yeah, but like. Can you imagine the women having to carry their children? Can you imagine being pregnant? Oh, oh, no. No. Anyway, chapter 11. The Lord will provide. Chapter 11 was fun. I thought it was absolutely yes. hilarious. These it's not the, funny, but it's funny. The, these are the things that like I would remember this stuff if I learned in Sunday school. Right? Like I would remember. It's probably too graphic. Like That's I, probably what they didn't teach us. Well, then I guess I teach my child the graphic stuff because like. It's the truth. I feel like kind of like the whole Moses making them drink the golden calf. Like I definitely would have remembered that. Oh yeah. So like I this, remember I, the golden calf. I don't like remember the this, I definitely would have remembered. I feel like I'm sure like when we read it in lessons and stuff, we just like read the verses, but we didn't like understand what it or meant. like yeah or like talk about yeah. Okay. Okay. Do we need to read? I mean, I think I feel like we should read the first part. Okay. So chapter 11, and the people complained in the hearing of the Lord. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Teborah. (laughs) Tebra? <laughs> I was literally just thinking Deborah, but Tebra. I said Tebra. That's Tebra. what I said. Tebra. 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 Because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Okay. So kind of like complaining. How, yeah. Here we, we are. Going back to what we were just talking about, being on the road for three days straight, complaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That displeased the Lord, obviously. Clearly. Like you literally just celebrated the Passover. Right. Like they have been ordered. They were organized, cleansed, separated, blessed. They were taught how to give. They were reminded of God's deliverance with the Passover. They were given God's presence and the tools to advance to the promised land. And now here we are a few days out and they're complaining. My feet hurt. I'm tired. Enduring word says when when it says when the people complained, it could be translated to the people became truly murmurous and offense to God's ears so that they were like, why is he making us do this? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. Why is he making us? Well, why where are we even going? Where are we going? Are we there yet? Like, like being disrespectful, almost not <laughs> blasphemous, but just kind of like, right. Not trusting. Exactly. Complaining. Yes. That's a whole other topic. And it's a whole episode. It really about is. Complaining. It really is. Because like what you say and like, Mm-hmm. I'm terrible mm-hmm. about it. I'm very bad about it. <laughs> Same Z's. Anyway. Same Z's. So it displeased God. Obviously, it displeased God because he literally burned the outside of the camp. Mm-hmm. He did. I mean, it was mercy in himself to make it just confined to the outside of the camp, right? He could have yeah. cast his fire into yeah. the very midst of the camp and yeah. killed many more people. But he didn't. I literally wrote starting off strong with the first rebellion. Seriously, though. 
Like what I did read, I thought this was really interesting and maybe uh, you have something on this too, or you're going to get to it about like it being on the, you know, the outer lying of the camp, which means he would have burned like the uncleanliness and where the danger was. I guess. Because that would be like, I don't know, was that your flank? But like you're exactly like he could have started in the middle, Mm -hmm. but instead like he started in the back where like, you know. If they were going to be attacked, they could have been or like, you know, yeah. where the uncleanliness was maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Putting them out of their misery. It was just the outskirts. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm not saying this to be a jerk, but like, think about. Oh my like, gosh. I guess. Everything <laughs> he does is for a reason. Like, that's where the dangers were, you know, like if there were lions or bears or anything. I like, guess this was judgment because he was mad. <laughs> Me judging. He was doing it to help. No. <laughs> to put the people out of their misery. But like, think about it. Like, if you have you some you type of... burn de- you alive. Doesn't say that that's... <laughs> Maybe they were the ones complaining. <laughs> I'm just... Possible. I'm just making... Not that he needs me to make a case for him. But I'm just saying like... No, I say it was think completely about it. justified. Like... Completely justified. <laughs> Obviously, it was his just judgment. Yes, it was justified too. But I'm also saying like... Like you said, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. His mercy. Think about when you have a sick animal. Like, are you going to let suffer? No. We're moving on from burning of the lepers here, okay? Wasn't just the lepers. (laughs) Anyway, um, so the next couple of verses say, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. But remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing? The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic? (laughs) But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Do you like the voice there? I did, because that's exactly how I read it. Right? That's exactly how I read it. Oh, do you remember the fish? It was free. Yeah, because you were a slave. (laughs) You didn't have any money. Of course it was free. They had to feed you or you would die. Like, what? what? You remember the good stuff, but you also forget the fact that you were a slave. A slave. (laughs) Seriously, though. I don't understand. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so the rabble, the rabble at the beginning of that, Mm -hmm. I had to look it up because I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. It says a disorderly crowd or mob. Some other translations of the Bible say mixed multitude. A mixed multitude. Now the like, mixed multitude. Now the mixed multitude who were among them. And it like says rabble. that. It also says that in Exodus twelve thirty eight of our Bible too. And it says that the mixed multitude went out of Egypt with them. Remember, they had great possessions and all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, the people who are not the Israelites that kind of like jumped yeah. on the bandwagon. Yeah, so it, not everyone in the great crowd that came out of Egypt with most Moses was, you know, ethnically an Israelite. Um, and during words says that there were pretty, there were many other Egyptians who went with them. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they had such possessions would seem also to suggest that they were more than adventurers. They had a certain interest in the migration, one of curiosity, perhaps. The only thing that is certain is that they were not of the theocracy and not having true part or lot in the divine movement. They fell a lusting after the things of Egypt and infected the people of God with the same unholy desire. See, I don't really like that 
because it also kind of takes the blame off the Israelites, which you know yeah. for sure and well that they were part of. Yeah. And I think the way I think of it is, is that maybe it started with these people. But think about how infectious energy mob is. mentality like, is a thing. It is like think about how even just between the two of us, when one of us is amped up. Oh, yeah. We throw gasoline like, on the fire. Oh, yeah. Like big time. Guilty as charged. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but and now imagine that among millions of people. Yep. You get one person talking, you get one other person on board, and it spreads like wildfire. Especially if you are not an Israelite committed to God, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of in this for selfish reasons, for protection, because there's millions of people. You you're know, it's an apostate. kind of like the enemy was among them a little bit. Hmm. If you think about it, all right, you have an Israelite, and you have this one person who's like coming up to you, whispering in your ear, saying, Look at this manna. Don't you wish we had some lamb or some, you know, chuck roast or Yeah. Don't you want some variety in your diet? Remember mm-hmm. what you had in Egypt? Remember mm-hmm. there was fish and yeah. all these nice That's exactly fresh what fruits. It was. You're you're just eating this days on end. Don't you want some variety yeah. in, in what you're eating? That's exactly what it was. Because think about what and they, they were, were going like, to do. Oh my gosh, you're right. I never thought about it like that before. They were going, and to they s- went and told their brother. Yeah, like, and they were going to settle in their own land. Like, of course, he was there in the middle of all of it. Anyway, he'd be taken down as many people as he possibly can. A rabble. So they wanted, they wanted what? What does it say? Does it say it here? They wanted meat. Oh, that we had meat to eat. All right. Verse seven says, "Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance like that of a word, delium, whatever." Did you look up how to say that? No, but it starts with a B. Bedellium. Silent B. B is silent. Or you could say bedellium. Whatever. Say it. Bedellium. The people went out. The people went about and gathered it and ground ground it in handmills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. Maybe I'm just really hungry, but I'm like, oh, cakes with oil. That sounds delicious. It reminds me of like those those like poke bread things I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. What's it called? They put a bunch of olive oil on it and like salt. I said like, mm-hmm, but I've they like no massage the dough about. with their hands mm-hmm. and they make bubbles and then they bake it. I don't know what it's called. I don't know. But that's what it's reminding me But I'm me like, of. that sounds actually pretty good. Yeah. Like like bread at a fancy Italian restaurant. Yeah. Like anyway. people will probably pay a lot of money for that now. And mm-hmm. you're complaining about it. I think anybody would pay a lot of money for a jar of manna in general. Okay. If you I'm actually had manna. Like bread. Like similar bread to this. I mean, with inflation, everybody pays a lot of money for everything. <laughs> <sighs> Moses heard the people weeping. <laughs> Continue. We're not doing this. Continue. <laughs> Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. See, now that makes me believe that they were set up somewhere. They were. They were already in camp. Oh, they were already in camp? Yeah, when they started complaining. Oh, okay. Anyway, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant and why have i not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me did i conceive all these people did i give them birth that you should say to me carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give to their fathers where am i to get meat to give all these people for they weep before me and say give us meat they want meat that we may eat 
I am not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. <laughs> the, dram- the dramatics. <laughs> oh. Give us meat <laughs> that we may eat. <laughs> Because you know that's what he was doing. Give us me. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Kill me now. Where am I supposed to get meat to feed them? Kill me now. <laughs> Kill me at once. Right. The dramatics. It's Here. just all so dramatic. And to which God replies, no, okay. <laughs> right? Can you imagine being God? <laughs> Can you imagine... Having to listen to that. He flooded this entire earth and he literally just got done burning. <laughs> right? Like, right. And Moses is over here like, oh, oh come on. Seriously. I love how it says in the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, but Moses just carries on. Right. Would you want like it reminds me of approaching my mom when she's mad. No. Like, would you want to do would you want to do that? Absolutely not. <laughs> like I just keep picturing like I just screamed and ripped my child, you know. Get your room clean. Why isn't it clean? I told you to clean your room. Oh, but I'm hungry. Give us meat. Where am I supposed to get food? In my head, I'm going, okay, well, are you joking right now? Like, look around everything you have in this room. I'm telling you to pick up these things that you were given for free that you were not entitled to. And you're going to say, Oh, but I'm hungry. You have to feed me first. (laughs) Anyway. No. So. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that Moses complained to God. As we're learning. Yes. It's a good thing. He voiced his concerns in a very dramatic way. I mean, and I can't. He was upset. And it's okay to be upset. It is. We're not judging him. No. It's okay to be upset. And it's okay to voice your opinions or your opinions, your feelings to God. Not that he, you know, needs you to voice them. He wants you to voice them. But he already knows how you're feeling. Yep. So, like, it's very, you know, dramatic. It's so it seems. It's very overdramatic. Um, I have a really interesting thing, actually, that I totally forgot. What? About my theory behind this whole thing. Oh, okay. Oops. Hold on. I also made a note to read a highlight on page 307. What's that? That's 298. Okay. It says, so this is from Numbers by Timothy R. Ashley. Moses does not react against the people's rejection of God's provision, but against the people for making his job as a leader more difficult. Yes. And against Yahweh for giving him the task as a leader. So he's not complaining because the people are complaining. He's complaining because now his job's more difficult. Yeah. Because the people are complaining. Yeah. But he's also realizing that he cannot do it all by himself. Yes. Yes. Which I think is a point where God wanted to push him to. I feel like yeah he tends to do that even today yeah i mean i wrote down you know eventually moses gets to the root of his own inadequacies as a leader and then he's forced Mm -hmm. to ask for help because oftentimes we miss the little nudges and the little things to the point where we have to be pushed to the point where we have no choice but to quite literally oftentimes i can only speak personally beg for help well and dirty word said god did not say yes when moses asked please kill me here and now yet god helped the overwhelmed moses who knew that the job of leading god's people was too much for him to do without god's help Mm -hmm. he helped him moses wanted him 
No, God wanted Moses to see his wretchedness or his inability to do what God called him to do on his own strength. Yep. You know what is made perfect in weakness? God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. In our weakness. Yes. Second Corinthians. It is. 12.9. It is. It's a verse from the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Anyway. <laughs> that was all I have to say about that. So, in response to Moses' plea for help, mm-hmm. God calmly... I feel, says, um, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand here with you. And I will come down and talk with you there and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat and you shall eat. You shall not eat just one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him, saying, why did we come out of Egypt? also had that i forgot um highlighted as a favorite verse also yeah (laughs) but moses said the people among whom i am number six hundred and thousand on foot and you have said i will give them meat that they may eat a whole month shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them or shall all the flesh of the sea be gathered together for them for it to be enough for them and the lord said to moses is the lord's hand shortened now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not a lot to unpack there. There is. So God is commanding Moses to bring 70 men to bear the burden of being a leader, a, a leader with yeah. him. What do you think the whole spirit thing means? So, I mean, I guess we're going to get to that. But remember, like the Holy Spirit being with everyone is not a thing yet. Nope. So obviously Moses was filled with the spirit. God temporarily filled the people who were making the things for the tabernacle with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I think he was going to fill them with with the holy spirit yeah and during word says the elders needed the same heart the same vision and the same spirit that was on moses if not there would be no agreement among the leadership of the nation and disaster would come to israel which makes sense because think about it you need leaders who are all on the same page striving for the same goals and when you don't have that it's chaos yep it sure is the silence is big anyway when he said that he was uh, among the 600,000 on foot, enduring word says Moses reacted, reacted as we often do, trying to understand how God would perform his promise. Mm-hmm. Moses couldn't understand how God could do this, but God never asked him to understand it. <laughs> God would provide him with his inexcusable resources. No, inexhaustible resources. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Am I my brother's keeper? No. Uh. <laughs> Speaking, so the only reason I'm bringing this up now is because I totally forgot about it until we just read about bringing them to the tent of meeting. Mm-hmm. Listen, I did like over an hour's worth of research oh, today yeah. on trying to figure out if Moses was able to go into the tent of meeting or the tabernacle or whatever. And I really, I found like nothing that was consistent or I thought reputable enough to definitively say yay or nay. Um, I did find something I thought was interesting um, that I thought we would note since we've been saying for three weeks now that we were going to answer this question. Basically, 
he was just considered even though he technically wasn't of the line mm-hmm. of Aaron I mean this was the only thing that I read that would make sense but again it's not I don't even I'm not even convinced that this is what it is yeah was is that he was considered to be a priest okay but I don't know because then I'm like well then who like because he wasn't consecrated he wasn't you know what I mean like didn't have any of that other stuff I done I really think that Moses just had a free pass I think so too because like he was the OG but not like not so much where it was disrespectful. Like he still respected his boundaries as an I don't think he went into the most holy place. I I'm sure. I don't think he did that either. Did any of that stuff. Like I think he he followed the command of God. And, and yeah, when he asked him to approach. That's approached. A, yes, that's exactly what another thing said, too. And that's what I thought made the most sense was the only time that he went in or that he went was when God commanded it because God was giving him permission to be there. Yeah. But to definitively say, yes, he could go in. No, he could not go in. I I couldn't find anything, but like you said, I also don't think that he was like Nadab and Abihu, where he just yeah just did it felt entitled mm-hmm. to be able to do it and approach God, however, whenever he yeah. wanted. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, he did question God and was like, "Uh, how are you going to do all this?" I mean, but well, we're all we've all been there. We're going to get to some more things that Moses we've, does. We've we've all been there. So Moses went out and told the people all the words of the Lord. And he gathered sev- 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. And the Lord came down on the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. Now, two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad mm-hmm. and the other named Medad. <laughs> <laughs> and the spirit rested on them. They were among the those registered, but had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Meldad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses, from his youth said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people who were prophesied... No. Would that all the Lord's people who were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to camp. Quite a bit there as well. There is. And I mean, like, I I think the biggest takeaway from that is Joshua had the heart. Like he had his heart was in the right place. Correct. But Moses kind of corrected him in his thinking. Yeah. And was like. We should all have the spirit of the Lord. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. Yeah. That he wants him to have plus two. I can't remember if it was the study section of our Bible or the commentary, but they say that this was also to helping to establish the leader's credibility among the people Mm -hmm. because they now they were to also prophesying much like like Moses. Moses. Yeah. Um, And they only did it for a short period of time. Yeah. They They weren't. They weren't just out there doing their thing. Yeah. No. Willy nilly. No. No. The next is <laughs> the best part. It's happening. Then a wind from the Lord sprang up and it brought quail from the sea and let them fall beside the camp about a day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side around the camp and about two cubits above the ground. This three feet of birds. Mm-hmm. And the people rose all that day and all that night and all the next day and gathered with the quail. Those who gathered less, what? those who gathered least gathered 10 homers and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. While the meat was yet between their teeth before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. Therefore, the name of that place was called something in Hebrew. Hebrah <laughs> Because they were buried, they buried the people who had the craving from 
Hebroth Hutavah. Sure. The people journeyed to Hezeroth, and they remained at Hezeroth. You want me? You got it. Here you go. Now you're dead. Fulfill your cravings. Num, num, num. Cravings of the flesh. Precisely. Precisely. And I love that we established the fact that the rabble was namely, I'm not saying that the Israelites were not included, but like was namely. In some other translations, it was people who weren't of the Israelite yeah. lineage, but it was really just an uncontrollable mob. Bye. We don't really know who started that, but Israelites were involved. Well, now they did. Yep, they are. And I think it's interesting to note also, do you remember when God gave them the quail, quail, the quail and the manna previously, when was that? Exodus? He gave Uh them very specific instructions on you were to only gather enough. You didn't need to gather all three feet deep worth of the quail. And yet here we are scooping it up. Ten homers, two homers. What is that word? Homers? Hold on. Gluttony? Yeah. Like they literally gave in. They yielded to 220 liters is one homer. Yep. One of the seven deadly sins, gluttony. When we allow ungodly cravings to rule over our lives, God may send what we crave and leanness into our souls as well. Better to have a well-fed soul and and to be deprived of ungodly cravings. It kind of reminds me of fasting a little bit. Yeah. Like when you fast, you deprive yourself of actual food, but you fill your spirit with the word of God. Yeah. And two, side note about fasting, it doesn't have to be like food. Like you, you can, can fast, fast from anything. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to remember that they were not trusting the Lord to provide by doing this. Mm-hmm. They were showing their distrust. Yep. And what was the point of this whole thing? You know, mm-hmm. like ye of little faith. There are times when God grants an unwarranted request in order that men may learn through experience the folly of their desires. Mm-hmm. Just think about how bad it must free have will. had to have been, though. You have free will. You do. And we'll he gave you some... what you asked for. Mm-hmm. Be careful what you pray for. Mm-hmm. I did read some things that said they, they don't know what this very great plague was. Um, but I, I'm going to say it was some type of bird disease. Yeah. Bir- they say, you know, some type of disease or some type of food poisoning or some people, <laughs> some theories. This is all from this book, by the way, said that it literally just rotted in the people's mouths. Well, see, like, here's the thing. Like, they didn't even get to digest it. Like, it was in their teeth, yet not swallowed. Mm-hmm. Like, it was that mm-hmm. quick. You ate it and you died. Mm-hmm. Enduring Word says the quail came around all around the camp that is on the perimeter about a day's hike to mm-hmm. the to the actual quail so you had to leave you had to make a conscious decision to leave to leave to go get this when the holy spirit was poured out it drew men into the center of the camp right into the middle of the people of god to get the quail they had to go outside the camp away from the people of god mm, it kind of reminds me of like picking off the weak of the herd yeah like let them thinning out the crowd let them um gross i don't remember this in sunday school at all no not at all i feel like i remember the the quail i remember the quail i don't remember discussing yeah i don't remember discussing this aspect this this plague i don't remember discussing this Mm -mm. um yeah interesting the place the the hebrew place Mm -hmm. whatever it's called what did you call it yeah which means crave graves of craving 
I read that also. Graves of craving. I also read that. By the way, I don't know if that's how that's pronounced or not. I don't know. Uh, and during words, it's spiritually speaking, many people are killed by their unrestrained desires. Wow. But that's not true. Isn't it? Oh, my gosh. AIDS. In my head, I'm going STDs. <laughs> Drugs. AIDS. Drugs. Seriously. Alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Addiction. Gambling. Yep. Like. Yep. The dangerous world. Unrestrained desires. Ugh. Lord, let my heart only desire you. That's not the truth. Anyway. There's a lot of deep things here, but I feel like this episode has gotten kind of long. Yeah, and it was good. Are we done? I have nothing else. That's all I have to say about that. And on Uh, that note... What's our favorite verse? Our favorite verse was chapter 9, verse 23. We both chose this one, by the way. (laughs) We're back on it. Mm -hmm. The the Spirit came upon us. (laughs) Um, At the command of the Lord, they camped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Yeah. I just like that one because obviously, like that whole, like we discussed earlier, formula of obedience, the Lord is commanding them, but also showing that he's commanding them through Moses. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, I would like to have a pillar of cloud and fire guiding my life. Wouldn't that? Yes. I need a visible audible representation i need you to tell me what to do <laughs> what could you just be clear in fact if you could send it in an email or a text that way i had it in writing not just and like I a, could... i'm thinking in the middle of the day and i hear quit your job and i'm like uh is that do i do that i is don't that, think so i think i was just too overwhelmed words. stop it <laughs> you know so on the next episode, we will be talking about Numbers chapters 12 and 13, and that will be up next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed the time we spent in God's Word, and we hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.